Hi, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. Every week, we work hard at giving you the best real ghost stories we can find for free through the podcast. But producing and maintaining the show isn't so free for us. And that's why we're asking for your support. If you like the show, please become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person through the button at realghoststoriesonline.com. As an EPP, you'll get an additional bonus exclusive episode of the show to enjoy every weekend. Plus, you'll have access to our exclusive EPP video content and backlog of exclusive EPP bonus episodes as well. It's only five bucks a month for all these extras. And your support helps to keep our daily free version of the show alive and on the air. Become an EPP now at realghoststoriesonline.com. Please and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. On today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online, two little boys... Invite a neighbor over to play, but when the neighbor returns to collect a lost toy, he's confused by what he finds. A child is directed to go back and play with the other kids at daycare, only when describing the disobedient child to the lead daycare worker do they realize there's no child there fitting that description. A listener from Transylvania shares her tale of an encounter in a dark alley. Three mysterious figures harass a gas attendant, but is this their first terrifying visit? A converted hospital now serves as haunted dormitories, and children develop attachment to their toys. But what happens when the toys develop attachments to their children? Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hello, this is all about uh, a lot of toy stories here today. I know, it just kind of happened that way and made me want to get my favorite toy out for the show. Which would be? I don't even know. I don't have any toys left anymore. (laughs) (laughs) What was your favorite toy as a kid? I played with Barbies a lot, Mm -hmm. but I had a favorite stuffed uh, bear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say probably my Legos. Okay. I still enjoy my Legos. I have a Ghostbuster thing to build. In fact, you guys got me that for uh, my birthday or something, I think it was. I think it was your birthday. I've gotten the characters put together okay. so far. Because that, that that in itself, because all the pieces are in like all over the place, and I got that far. Yeah, I've yet to build the Ecto-1, <laughs> but it's on my list of things to do. I still enjoy my Legos, <laughs> even though they're all in a closet somewhere. Uh, so, yeah. So, this should be interesting today to hear about uh, some of these toy stories. The phone number is 855 853 If you have a real ghost story that you'd like to share with us, feel free to call it in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you like the show and you want to support the show, of course, you can become an EPP, but you can continue supporting it, even if you are an EPP, in more ways uh, by uh, telling a friend about it, uh, sharing a link on Facebook, Twitter, uh, whatever social media you use. Maybe giving us a review there on iTunes or Stitcher. All that helps us out greatly. So do think about doing that if you enjoy the show and you want to continue to see it uh, continue on forward uh, well into 2015. Your support is what we need. And if you've already shown some of that, thank you so very much. Taking off the uh, show today, we'll go to a uh, letter that was written into us. And uh, this is written into us by Kevin. Kevin writes in. Hi, this is Kevin from Seattle. I wrote in a while ago about uh, jumping uh, out the window. You had asked if my mother had her own sightings before that it happened. And she kind of glazed over the question. She admitted that it's no family secret that my grandmother's home is haunted, but said nothing about the apartment. Now, do you recall this story? Yeah, remember he was a little boy okay. and the mom was taking trash to the dumpster and she told him to lock the door behind her mm-hmm. and to wait and she wanted him to open the door and she got back and he saw a shadow person that was calling his name that sounded just like his mother. Okay. And then he couldn't get the door unlocked mm-hmm. and he got so scared he jumped out the screen window. And they left like right after that, didn't they? Yes. Okay. I do recall that. Okay, continuing on. I know that she would uh, hear me calling her every so often, and when she came to check on me, I'd be sound asleep or in another room. 
I've never thought back or thought to ask because I had so many bad things happen to me there. I try not to think about it and I'm sure it's the same for her. There was one occasion I can recall where I was playing outside by myself. I happened to look up from playing with my toys on the porch and noticed two kids, at least a year older than me, intensely watching me. Nothing about them looked out of the ordinary, aside from their hair being uncapped, so I asked if they wanted to join in, and after they argued about something for a moment, they did. One of them asked if I could leave the porch, and I told them I had to stay inside if my, uh, for my mother. The younger of the two looked worried and constantly disagreed with the other, as if to say we shouldn't be here. He looked over to the apartment directly across from us and said, We live there. Can you go that far? I looked up and said, I guess, letting my mom know where I was going. She looked on very confused. You're supposed to stay on the porch. That was the agreement, right? She said, slightly embarrassing me in front of my new chums. I just wanted to play with my new friends, I begged. After successfully pleading, I was allowed, and off we went, tucking one of my toys in my pocket. Arriving at the front door, I immediately felt something that wasn't right. One by one, the two walked in, waving for me to follow them inside. Shrugging off a slight foul smell and my apprehensiveness, I stepped inside, making our way to their room. I remember jumping and fanning my face as if to have a spider web on my face. Finding nothing, I continued. I must have missed out on the energy drink while tending to an imaginary web because they began bouncing on the beds, pushing each other into the walls and onto the floor. I'd use the word roughly, but that wouldn't be an un- that would be an understatement. I stood aside and let them have their fun. The feeling of danger grew more and more, so much so I couldn't shake it and tried to make up an excuse to go home, telling them I was getting hungry. Immediately stopping what they were doing, their faces turned cold and with deep voices responded in unison, You can't leave. You have to stay with us. Backing away out of the room, I turned and ran out the door, not stopping or looking back until I got to my porch, waiting for them to run up behind me, but they never came. Relieved, huffing and puffing, trying to catch my breath, I realized I must have dropped my toy. Still frightened, but unable to get grasped, leaving my favorite toy behind, I gripped what battery I can muster, or bravery I could muster, and slowly walked back over. I'm a child of the 80s, so I always felt that toys had feelings too, and I tried to take as good of care of them as I could. I tried to talk myself out of it as I got closer and closer, until reaching the apartment I just ran out of. I see that the doors and windows are boarded. Confused, I scanned the area, thinking maybe I'm mistaking this for the wrong apartment. Stepping closer, I noticed... In the dirt, a single pair of footprints. A cold shiver ran up my spine, and as I turned to walk away, I spotted what was left of my toy in a shrub under a boarded-up window. Its limbs ripped off and legs snapped in half. Quickly, I ran off again, confused about the whole situation. Slamming the door behind me, I ran to join my mom on the couch and nestled into her arms for safety. I never saw the kids again and never passed the abandoned section of the apartments either I don't think those kids are real so do you think it was a ghost do you think it was imaginary friends what do you think it was there I mean the fact that the toy was ripped up yeah I think it's more ghosts but not necessarily good ones because he didn't I I wouldn't put it like the ghost imaginary friend category because he Mm -hmm. didn't have an ongoing thing with them sure you know he just saw them the one time and it sounds like they were kind of encouraging him to do things that he shouldn't Mm -hmm. and that they had behavior issues as ghosts (laughs) how do you correct behavior issues in ghosts ghost riddling no i don't know that would work there you go um it's interesting that it was all boarded up so i mean that would imply that somehow the boards had to have been removed for this kid to get into the house get in there physically yeah or you know it could have been one of those like the stories we've had where 
people go to a place and then they go back like a week later and it's been abandoned for a long time, mm-hmm. but they were able to get in there at one point, almost like a kind of a wrinkle in time type of situation. Okay. We had a story recently about a clothes uh, store like that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. I don't know. That's always, there's so many elements at play mm-hmm. in that one to go and say, it's this. Thank you for writing in. Our phone number again, 855-853-4802. Of course, you can write in through the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you want more ghost stories, well, become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You get a bonus episode of the show sent to you every single week. We have the next one coming out uh, over the weekend here on Saturday morning is usually when they go out. So if you want in on that, you want an extra episode to tie Joe for the weekend, sign up to be an EPP before Saturday morning and uh, you'll get in on this week's episode uh, and you'll get access to uh, all the past uh, bonus episodes as well. So in this next email, you'll be getting a total of 15 bonus episodes with a new one in there and all 14 of the past ones. So it's only 5 bucks a month. You help keep our show alive. Or you can do the uh, the $60 a year option, and then don't worry about the, the debit every month. It's just it's there. You're good to go. And you get all those shows. And uh, thank you in advance uh, for doing just that. Brittany writes in, <clears throat> figures back, I worked with this uh, real charmer of a girl. We call her uh, Sarah for anonymity's sake. Also, please note that I am being sarcastic and calling her a charmer. She was the most strict, no-nonsense person I'd ever met. Anyway, one day at work, a few friends and I were on a break, and the topic of ghost sightings was brought up. Up until that point of the conversation, Sarah had been sitting at a different table, reading and minding her own business, and as usual, ignoring the rest of us. When the subject came up, she immediately looked at us and asked if we believed in such things, to which we all said that we did though nothing paranormal had ever happened to us personally. She then proceeded to tell us about her experience, which she'd recently had, and explained that she never believed in this kind of stuff up until this point. She told us that she was going home one afternoon away to her parents' house to do laundry. Since she was a student at the local university and didn't have a very convenient access to washers and dryers, her mother ran a daycare out of her home that consisted of just a few young children. When she got to her parents' house, she went to the basement where the laundry room was and proceeded to do her laundry when she noticed a little girl with red hair standing in the doorway watching her. Thinking it was one of the kids her mom watched for daycare, she told her that she knew she wasn't supposed to be in the basement and to go back upstairs with the other kids. She said the little girl looked at her with a confused expression and didn't leave. Again, and more sternly this time, Sarah told her that the kids weren't allowed in the basement and that she had to go back upstairs with the other kids. Still, the little girl stood and stared at her. Looking confused, annoyed, Sarah turned and finished putting her clothes into the washing machine, intending to then walk with the girl back upstairs, but she turned back around and the girl was gone. Figuring that she'd finally done as she was told and went back upstairs, Sarah then went up as well to wait out the wash cycle by helping her mom with daycare. When she found her mom, she asked if the little red-haired girl had come back to join the rest of the kids. Her mother looked at her and simply said, Sarah, I don't watch a red-headed girl. Sure enough, the only kids were two young boys and an infant little girl and a black-haired older girl. Sarah is absolutely sure that what she saw was a ghost after that. Maybe the girl was confused that Sarah saw and acknowledged her. I'm not sure. All I know is that of anyone on Earth, Sarah is not the type to make up stories, especially not about ghosts. Apart from that story and slightly adding to it, I suppose, is something another friend told me once that resonated with me. She told me that she believes everyone sees ghosts. We just don't always know what we're seeing. Driving down the road, seeing people walking on sidewalks for all you know. One or more of those people may not be living. Anyhow, that's just some food for thought. Thanks for reading. Love the show. I think it's interesting the little ghost girl showed herself to Sarah. If Sarah was really kind of uptight no mm-hmm. fun. You know, children feed off of people's energy. Mm-hmm. And I would have thought that she would have been more likely to have shown herself to kind of a nice, warm, caring person. 
versus somebody like that? Maybe the thought process was she realized that she was this no-nonsense type person and that maybe that she would take her seriously. I could see that, too. You know? And she obviously did take her seriously. Yeah. Although never to be seen again. But <laughs> uh, but did, in fact, ask about her. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing. I wonder if it's one of those things where only she was able to see it. And at the end there, where we all see ghosts... I tend to to wonder about that myself. About how many people you see are actually dead. Yeah, I, I really do wonder that. I mean, there's, uh, you know, I think there's obviously a certain faction of the population that that sees them this sort of stuff on a regular basis, just because they have the ability. But I think, I, don't, I wonder if all of us do have that ability, and we just you know don't realize it because not all the ghosts are necessarily doing ghostly things. Sure. Yeah, for lack of a better term. Oh, it's, it's an interesting thought, and I uh, I do tend to agree to a certain extent. If you haven't already done so, please press subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to us on. That way you won't miss any future episodes of the show. Helps us grow the community, and you get every single episode sent directly to you. No more searching for us every time you want to find the episodes. Alexandria writes in, Hey, I'm finally getting the courage to write this to you guys. My name is Alexandria. I live in Transylvania, Romania. I think they make Count Chocula there. I don't think so. <laughs> and blueberries. I don't think so. What was uh was Count Chocula in Transylvania or was it like another play on on uh like chocolate words? It's a play on chocolate words. Well, I know Count Chocula is a play on chocolate words, but I'm wondering was the setting Transylvania for Count Chocula or did they have another, you know, fun name for Transylvania that was like, you know, I don't know. Crackervania or something. You know what I mean? I am not up on my... Breakfast cereal ghost themes? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm lacking there. I'll try and brush up before I'm the sorry. next show. That is kind of a requirement for doing the show. Okay, I will research... Breakfast cereal ghost Count things. Chocula for you. One of my favorite breakfast cereal toy was? Is he haunted too like Captain Crunch? What do you mean Captain Crunch? What are you talking about? You're talking about Captain Crunch, the cereal being haunted. I would never bring that up in a ghost story. <laughs> <laughs> Did I frustrate you sometimes? Just a little That's bit. Not. Remember uh, Frosted Flakes? I yeah. love Frosted Flakes. Um, I don't. I can't stand them anymore because there's just too much damn sugar on them. But um, they had a glow-in-the-dark, scary, like, uh, uh, you know, skull-type face that okay. came in at once. And I absolutely, I, I loved that thing. I played with it for years. That was my favorite breakfast toy did you have a favorite breakfast toy? Not that I can recall. I We didn't eat a whole lot of cereal at my house. If we got cereal, we usually got the variety pack of the little boxes. Mm -hmm. Our dog is tearing up the room. So we didn't get the big cereal that had the toy in mm -hmm. it. I, I had to beg quite a bit. And it, I never like ate much cereal. So when we went to the cereal aisle and my mom, we were like, okay, well... Are you actually going to eat this or you just want the toy? No, I'm really going to eat it. I really love Raisin Bran Crunch or whatever, <laughs> you know. It's like as I'm looking at the toy to make sure that's the one I want. But uh, I did eat the uh, uh, the Frosted Flakes. I did enjoy that. I think that's where Harper gets her manipulative streak. From me? Yes. You think? Continuing on, uh, uh, they live in Transylvania, Romania. I have experienced several paranormal situations throughout my life so far and the most shocking of them of course always happens when you're alone i wonder why that is so here it goes there was this time i was returning from home uh, returning uh home from work at about 11 at night i got down from the bus and still had to walk about 500 meters after a few steps i was facing the wall of a four-story building and was seeing a figure it was a tall figure, dressed in some military raincoat or old type, with a huge hood over the head and face. I was looking at the figure thinking it was a drunk or something, but then I figured that it was so quiet outside. There was no wind, but the figure was trembling, and the coat was moving like it was blowing away by a powerful wind. I immediately got freaked out because I realized this was impossible. And I knew in my mind that this figure knows I'm seeing it. I turned around slowly and started praying and decided to take another path that goes around the neighborhood building. But at some point, I would still, it would still intersect with the alley. 
I saw this figure and accelerated my steps to avoid the alley. And I saw it. I saw it at the end of the alley. It moved to face me, and at that point, I was kind of afraid. I walked even faster, turning the corner to my building, and faked that I was talking with my dad so I would distract myself because I had no clue what to do. I could not call my parents. They would say I was crazy. I finally reached the building door and then the apartment door and entered, forcing the key. I was numb. I was so taken and so shaken because I felt the presence of the figure all the way to my apartment door. I told my mom and she tried to call me, but I knew I'd seen it. I knew it was after me. The area we live in is surrounded by three cemeteries, a Turkish, Jewish, and Orthodox. I was never, ever scared of any adventures we took in these cemeteries, or even outside at night, until that night. Thank you, and greetings from Romania. So, what, It must be Dracula. What would cause that to look like a coat blowing in the wind. I mean, obviously I think it's something paranormal, but I've not heard anything described like that. Capes. It's wearing a cape. Get off the Dracula. No, bit. I'm not. I, I'm not saying it to be Dracula. Cause I, don't, I don't think it was Dracula, but I'm saying capes. I'm serious. I mean, especially if it was something you're obviously talking about a ghost story or a, a you know, an area that has quite a history mm-hmm. and goes back quite a ways. Capes were obviously at one point in time a fairly normal thing for men to wear. It wasn't just, you know, Dracula. It was, you know, it's, it's wear a cape, you know. Okay. I would like that fashion trend to come back. I think capes are quite nice. You would wear capes? I would wear a cape. Um, <laughs> okay. But, um, so if you're talking about a ghost and depending how far back this ghost goes... And it's wearing the, uh, you know, clothing of the period. A cape is really a, a totally acceptable thing to, I guess, see in a ghost if it's from that period. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not going down the Dracula road. I'm just saying if it's from the era of capes, it's a ghost with a cape. Okay, I go with that. If it was the ghost from the era of poof pants, like MC Hammer. It would be wearing poof pants. That's what I want to see is one of those. Somebody mentioned that in an episode not that long ago that we don't see enough ghosts from the 80s. Yeah, or the early 90s. Well, there's still the majority of the population is still alive. There's that, still that, plenty of people that died during that era. Yeah, but probably not a majority that were wearing poof pants. You know, if you're talking about old age deaths or things of that nature, a good chunk of the population not necessarily old. Our great-grandchildren get to see the poof pants ghosts. Okay. Floating off of Taco Bells. Yep. Do you remember what I'm talking about? The reference here? Not really. There was an ad uh, with MC Hammer in, and he was wearing, he was poking fun at his, you know, poofy pants. Okay. And it was for Taco Bell, and he jumps off the Taco Bell, and the pants kind of inflate like a parachute. And Is that why they call them parachute pants? Yes. I was, okay. Uh, not poof pants, parachute pants. Okay. So yeah, I should probably have that correct. Poof sounds more fun. Poof, yes. (laughs) But he floats off the Taco Bell, and there you go. Parachute pants, it worked. And that's what our grandchildren will say. What is that figure floating off the Taco Bell? (laughs) There you go. Jumpy writes in, I want to thank you all for reading and appreciating the stories I've submitted. This story happened when I worked at a gas station when I was a teenager. This location was replaced by a Chase Bank. But uh, it used to be a unlocal seventy or uh, what is this? Yeah, uh, uni- Unical. Unical. Yeah, Unical. I were Unical. Seventy six gas station several years ago. Does that exist anymore? Seventy six is still around. I haven't seen one in a long time. We always just call them seventy sixes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Anyway, I was uh, I really loved the place because my uncle was a driver who came from out of state, and uh, on one of his stops was at my work, and we would have dinner. He would also wait for me as I was working. If the owner allowed me to end my work day, uh, if he showed up, it was a good job. I worked the light shift where I locked myself in a space uh, near the gas pumps, and it was about the size of a glorified phone booth. I have a mild case of claustrophobia, but it had windows, so I was fine. 
We had a drawer in the booth to push out for the customers to pay for their items. This was a new thing at the time because robbers used to try uh, lighting things on fire to harm the worker or to make them open the area so they could get in and steal from the cash register. I never was harmed or robbed when I worked there. It was a late night shift when I was there because I only worked late night on Saturday. During the week, I'd only have a shift shortly after school. The person who was supposed to replace me didn't show up, and I was stuck there just before midnight, but I didn't worry because it was walking distance from my home. It was a slow night, and most of the customers were paying with their bank cards, and I didn't have to do uh, anything unless they needed assistance. The only customers I had were a few who needed gas and some people who bought cigarettes that night. The last hour of my shift, there was a group of three people who were wearing older clothing. I was scared because one of them looked like he was bleeding from his neck, and I told them to leave. They didn't say anything, and it made me more terrified. They were knocking on the glass, but I told them to go away, and I refused to sell them anything. I thought they were on drugs, and I avoided eye contact with them for a long time until they started to breathe on the glass to show messages. They didn't draw on the glass, but would show messages after they breathed on it. The first were getting my attention by saying, Hello, and look at me, at first, and knocked more to get my attention. Later on the messages, they were telling me, Let us in and come out and play. So I pulled the blinds down. I was scared and called the police. Knowing that the police would show up, I opened the blinds and tried to get their attention. They were still there. This was when I noticed no cars around, so they didn't have a vehicle. Let me get this right here. They were doing their breath on the glass, and like the messages were just showing up on the glass without them writing it? Yes, instead of, you know how you breathe on the glass and you draw hearts and stuff like that. This was showing up. Oh, that's pretty screwed up. Yeah, makes for a good story. That does. It's like red rum. I asked them their names and what they wanted, but none of them spoke. They were writing my name on the glass and breathing on it, but I wasn't scared because I knew I had my name tag on and they were trying to scare me. I decided to get a better look at them, so when the police showed up, I would have a good description of them. None of them had any eye color. They wore clothing like a hippie with the leather and the ends of the jackets with strips of leather that dangled. I remained calm, and they breathed in the glass again to show the words, We want you. I wish that I wore my rosary that night, but when the people showed up, or when the police showed up, I had a sigh of relief. When the headlights of the police car showed up, all three of them walked backwards. They must have taken no more than ten steps, then faded away. It's like Salem's Lot. Yeah, kind the of. Lost Boys. Yeah. It wasn't a foggy night, and I don't have to wear glasses, so it wasn't a problem with bad vision. They faded away right in front of me. The police officer arrived and questioned my story. I lied. I told them people tried to rob me because I knew my story wouldn't have been taken very seriously. He called the crime scene investigators, and I told them to fingerprint the front glass window. Felt safe around them and told them what happened, but they didn't take much of it at the time, and I locked up again. The owner's wife showed up and told me to close the booth for the night. The late-night person couldn't make it, and she apologized for me being there so late because I wasn't over 18, and it was during the curfew hours. I just wanted to go home. It wasn't until a month later when I told the morning lady, Nancy, what happened. She told me the late-night worker quit his job after being scared. He had a similar experience, but his was worse. They were writing in blood on the glass. But when people showed up, the blood was gone. They all said he was insane and he was put in the hospital when he quit. There was something bad there and I was glad those things didn't happen to me. I don't know who those people were, but I think they were ghosts after I saw them vanish away after calling the police. I never worked the late shift again, but I believe the location was haunted. Thank you for reading. I'll try to submit more stories to your wonderful show. I think if I could do anything to creep people out, that would be what I want to do. I think I would probably like have a heart attack just when they first blow on the 
their breath on the glass and then a message appears. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't be like interacting or anything at that point. I would be barricading the door as best I could, shutting the shade and I don't know, like making crucifixes out of cigarettes and okay. <laughs> lining the walls. <laughs> it, it, I don't know. I could not handle that one. No. That's a pretty, that's a great story. Mm-hmm. Very much like a, it's a, very much like a Stephen King. I mean, I just keep kept going back to the the figures like the Lost Boys type figures and the uh, the Salem's Lot type thing. I was waiting for them to like be hovering above the glass or something. <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly one was on the roof. Uh, continuing on, uh, Will writes in, Hey guys, I have to say first, I love the show. I've been binge listening for the last week or two since I first found your podcast. My hat's off to you two for a great show. Anyway, since I've been listening to your show, I have constantly had thoughts of sharing my experiences. So here it goes. Before my experience, I believed in spirits and ghosts, if you will, but never spent much time getting into it. Always thinking when I was going to have an experience. But that was all about to change. In 2005 or 2006, I spent a year at a job corps in Indiana. The entire year I spent there, I never felt comfortable. Always had that feeling that someone was always lurking around the corners, that overall creepy feeling. After a month or two of my stay, I began hearing stories about the spirits that accompanied the students there. There were three distinct buildings that were remnants of the old hospital facility. The name escapes me all these years later. Anyway, fellow students expressed when they would sneak into these buildings which was against the rules, of course, leading to immediate termination from the facility, that they would ultimately report seeing spirits, or things would be seen much like what you would experience if you thought of a fear and later saw it. Before my major experience, my roommates were discussing holding a seance to speak to some of the former students of the dorm they were staying in. Now, being a Christian, I was having reservations about it, knowing what I was taught growing up, but I inevitably inevitably decided to give in and do one for the spook factor. Everything seemed fine at first, not believing anything was happening, but as we kept trying, we happened to notice pens and other objects lying on the table below our hands begin to fly off the table and onto the floor. That's when I decided I'd had enough and ended the session. It was dark a week or two later when I experienced my next spooky encounter. I was sitting looking outside the window when I happened to see what looked like a giant floating black mass float on top of the grass in front of my window without much explanation. No car headlights coming or anything of the sorts. Needless to say, I was spooked for the night. This leads me to my major encounter during my stay there. I was staying at the facility with a group of kids who decided to stay at the campus during the summer when most of the the students decided to go home and spend the time with their families. It was a warm late night. I remember sitting on top of a picnic table outside one of the dorms facing the three old hospital buildings turned dorms, talking with someone looking for cigarettes to smoke. He began to tell me about this spirit thing on the top floor that had a distinctive glow to it. As I was looking for cigarettes to smoke, I brushed his story off, not fully expecting these stories, as I had not experienced one fully myself. But as I looked back up, I stared straight at the building, and that's when I saw her. I saw the spirit glowing, I might add, walking or floating across the inside of the dorm, totally visible throughout the windows. Now, I might add I stayed perfectly still during this time, fixated at what I was seeing in total disbelief. I turned to the guy and asked him if he was seeing what I was seeing, and he turned back to me and said, Yes, that's the spirit I was telling you about. I later learned the top floor was for the female students, and the males had the downstairs floor. A day or two later, a bunch of us kids, I might add I was 20 at the time, decided, mainly out of sheer boredom, We would all walk to this old dorm to get some spooks ourselves. I reluctantly caved in and joined suit because, of course, I had nothing to do. We all arrived at the dorm and went in, but I decided after taking a few steps inside that I would not go in because I was too scared. 
I stayed by the door as the rest explored. Most of the time, I didn't experience much paranormal, but just the overall self-fear one gets when they freak out. Right before everyone came back, I happened to look at the two windows on each side of the door. I happened to see them move like there was a gentle breeze engulfing them. I might add one set of blinds were pulled all the way down and the other was halfway up. I began to freak out knowing there was no breeze and the windows were closed. Anyway, everyone everyone began to file back out after a short time later as we were walking back to the dorm. We happened to hear a loud crash in one of the dorms, freaking us out. Not knowing what the cause of that was, besides what could be best described as an angry spirit, pissed that they were disrupted. My apologies, this letter was a bit winded, but that was the majority of my experience at the Job Corps until the time I left. I felt the overall uneasy, like someone is watching you feeling. Other students would tell you how they experienced a child ghost in the female dorm and the wing that was closed off, which would give off the aroma of freshly baked cookies. I look back on that experience as one of my main ghost experiences to date. Anyways, thanks for your time. I hope to hear this on the show at some point. Keep up the good work. Look forward to hearing more stories from your listeners. Big Will from Indiana. I don't think I'd want to stay in a dorm that used to be a hospital. That's uh, an interesting place for a dorm. I suppose it's already kind of built in, ready to go. Yeah, and I get that, and I get the cost savings of going with a building that's pre-existing, but I still don't know as a student that that would be the best choice for me because I think I wouldn't be able to focus on studies. I'd be freaked out all the time. Likely bigger rooms, though, than most dorms. I don't know about that. A lot of dorms are really tiny. Yeah. You know, hospital rooms are like two, three times the size of an average dorm room. I don't know about that. I don't know that there's that much of a size difference. The dorms I've seen have okay. been like closets. I mean, I'm so, maybe there's some more deluxe dorms. I'm not, I've not been in many dorms in my life. Yeah. But I'm just trying to think back to some that I've seen like, uh, like UW Oshkosh and stuff like that. They were very... They were like room for a bed, pretty much, a little desk, and uh, essentially uh, uh, like a fridge, like a dorm fridge. They yeah, were tiny. But a lot of dorms are sh- shared. You usually have two students. It was like bunk. Oh. Yeah. I don't think they're that small everywhere. No? Mm-mm. Huh. I, what's, what's interesting to me about this, uh, this story most to me is uh, the ghost that smells like chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. That's a ghost I wouldn't mind having around. But do you think it's a good ghost? Or do you think it's something trying to lure you in with the smell of chocolate chip cookies? It's the ghost of diabetes. <laughs> Wilford Brimley's still alive. He is, I know. I don't know. I mean, what do you think? It would be something that would lure me in, and that would not be a good thing. But would it be a good ghost? Is it a good ghost? It can try to lure you in, but everything that lures you in is not necessarily bad. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't really trust it, I don't think. Without knowing more about what the experiences were around that one, it's hard to say. Thanks for writing in the stories. We do appreciate it. If you like the show, continue. please consider supporting it. It's only five bucks a month to become an EPP uh, at realghoststoriesonline.com. As a thank you, we send you that bonus episode every single week. You get access to our past EPP episodes. Next one's going out on Saturday, so if you're listening to this on Friday, you have time to sign up to become an EPP and get that uh, brand new EPP episode and access to all the past ones. It'll be a total of 15 bonus episodes in this next email link. So if you want in on that, get signed up, realghoststoriesonline.com. If you already are an EPP or you know someone who uh, also likes ghosts, maybe get them turned on to the show and give them a, a EPP membership for a Christmas present. Huh? Check that out, realghoststoriesonline.com. Jerry writes in, I've been listening since Halloween. Love the show. Recently, you were talking about weird stories about kids' toys. Here's one experienced by my wife and me. My wife and I are software engineers. She's a skeptic, while I have an open mind due to a few other incidents over the years. This is the only incident of its type. Back in the 1994-1995 years, our son was a toddler. Since he was interested in Sesame Street, we... Uh, bought him an Ernie's car. This was a battery-operated toy that would make noises and move. 
We purchased it at the Toys R Us closest to us, and I immediately opened it when I got home. I flipped the on switch, and it began making noise. I gave it to our son. He played with it for a while. Then, like all kids, his attention changed. Eventually, Ernie's car was tossed in our son's toy chest. That's when things got strange. The car would turn on in the toy chest and run for 10 seconds or so and then quit. It would wake our son up when it would turn on in the middle of the night. I assumed there was just a short causing the car to turn on at odd times. I took it out of the toy chest and put it on the top shelf of the closet in my home office. Instead of stopping the toy, it actually did turn on by itself more often in my closet. After a few days of that, my wife and I were laughing about it. I don't remember who suggested it, but one of us said, I wonder why we don't just take the battery out. I took the toy down, got the screwdriver, opened the battery compartment. When I found the battery compartment empty, I got a little freaked out, and so did my wife. My first thought was that there had to be one of those embedded batteries, you know, the type that has a paper tab preventing the battery from touching the contact until you pull the tab out. I couldn't find any place in the compartment or elsewhere where such a battery existed. Then I thought maybe the car was one of those friction toys, the type where you spin the wheels on the ground to store energy. When I rolled it on the floor, the wheels spun, but the toy made no noise when it was released. We had no explanation for how the thing was able to run for what might have been hours without batteries. Maybe we should have thrown it away, but I thought, since it never caused us any harm, just a little anxiety, maybe it just needed a good home, and I donated it to charity. Yeah, I don't like toys that make noise. Then we have that one, we have that uh, board that has the different vehicles on it, mm-hmm. and we've determined that when you flip a certain light switch in this house, it activates the toy. But that toy has batteries built into sure. it that you can't really take out. Sure. For a toy that has removable batteries to still be making noise. Yeah, there's really no explanation for that one. No. Nope. Uh-uh. When he was talking about the toy store in Toys R Us, it made me think of an Unsolved Mystery episode I don't think we've talked about on here. Do you remember the old Unsolved Mystery episode, the ghost one, where it was literally a haunted Toys R Us? No. Yeah. There was, I think it's on the uh, that DVD collection I have of the ghost stories. It was, I, don't, I couldn't tell you where it was, but apparently they traced it back. The Toys R Us was built on like some old farmstead, and it was apparently a love story where um, somehow like the, the woman was killed, I think, and uh, the... Or it was vice versa. One of the two. One of the lovers was killed and they were searching for their lover, died in vain and, you know, never found him. Okay. Anyway, Toys R Us gets built on this thing in like the 70s or 80s. And the Toys R Us starts having all these things happening in it. Like all the electronic toys are, you know, being triggered just like this. Okay. Um, And things are moving around and whatnot. Eventually they have a seance in the Toys R Us. Uh, with some ghost hunter people and things of that nature. And in the Unsolved Mysteries episode, they claim that the entity appeared to the people and then they told it to go towards the light and move on. And then it was gone. And the Toys R Us lived happily ever after. Probably converted into a Babies R Us, just like all of them have been. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that uh, it was an interesting concept for a ghost story. The Haunted Toys Are... I wonder if anyone else remembers that one. I know we have a lot of listeners who do remember the old Unsolved Mysteries episodes. When we bring them up, they're like, yeah! And if they could fill us in on that story, if anyone wants to bring that up on the forum or something. Yeah, I don't remember that one. But uh, it was uh, it was a good one. I, I, I love those those old Unsolved Mysteries episodes. Uh, phone number is 855-853-40. Your real ghost story with us. Write in on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Um, Liz writes in, love the show. It, uh, this happened to me and my aunt during one summer when we were kids. My aunt 14 and I 10 were spending the night at her best friend's home. Since my aunt and her best friend were trying to be all grown up, they decided to get rid of some of uh, her best friend's childhood toys, especially a Papa Smurf. So they put everything in a trash bag and we all went outside singing. We are growing up. 
we went back inside and watched Princess Bride. It was around midnight when we decided to sleep. We woke up around 6 a.m. to my aunt screaming. We all jumped and looked at her. The look on her face was of fear. She was pointing to the foot of the bed. I looked, and there was Papa Smurf at the foot of the bed facing us. We started screaming, and my aunt's best friend's parents came running in, expecting the worst. My aunt explained what they had done, what had what they had done, and how they had thrown away Papa Smurf and other stuffed animals. Papa Smurf was the only one that came back. So the parents went to ask the other kids if they had done a mean prank. None of the other girls even knew that we had thrown away the stuffed animals. By this time, I and my aunt and her best friend were crying. When the parents came back, they had some scissors and a black heavy-duty trash bag. They cut up the Papa Smurf in front of us to show us that there was nothing to be scared of. Well, that's traumatic, cutting up Papa Smurf. No, not if they want it to die and go away. Why would you want Papa Smurf to die and go away? If it's scaring in the middle of the night, yes, I want it to die and go away. But it's Papa Smurf. It's creeping Papa Smurf. (laughs) They tried to bag it in front of us and and took it outside. Uh, They tied the bag in front of us and took it outside. Since the trash was going to be picked up that day, the parents had told the other kids that scaring us like that was not nice. Since we were going to stay another night, we started out our day and we kept an eye on the trash pickup to make sure they took the bag. We were eating our breakfast out on the porch as we saw the trash bag being picked up. We all took a deep breath and sighed as it went away. The rest of our day was normal. When we went to sleep, the parents came in and told us there was nothing to be afraid of. We went to sleep. The next morning at 5 a.m., my aunt's best friend screamed, and we all jumped up and looked at the foot of the bed. And there was Papa Smurf facing us. <laughs> For dramatic effect, that's our dog playing with the doorstop. Yep. This <laughs> She's into the ghost stories, too. This is when the screaming started for us. Her parents came running, and her mom started screaming as well. The rest of the kids came in and saw that the Papa Smurf was facing us. The Papa Smurf looked as he had the night before, and there were no cuts on it and still had the sticker that it had on its hat. Her parents called my grandfather and told him what was happening. He came over and we told him what had happened, and he patiently listened to each of us. He went outside to talk to the parents. He came in and got the Papa Smurf and went outside and started a large fire. He patiently put Papa Smurf in the fire. He asked us to watch so we could understand that there was nothing wrong. We watched the flames burn the Papa Smurf into ash. He said a quick prayer and put all the ashes into a bag. And he and the parents left for the landfill. My parents picked me up, my aunt and my aunt up. We left the house crying because we couldn't stop thinking of Papa Smurf. The next morning, I called my aunt to see if she had talked to her best friend. Her best friend had called her to tell her that nothing had showed up. After that, we asked my grandfather what he did with the ashes. He didn't tell us. All he said was, I protected my family. Sorry for the long story, but it is something that I've lived with for a long time and thought I would share. Okay, I think that's scary yet very funny. It is. I mean, I had to laugh a little bit in there. If you did a find and replace on Papa Smurf and put in something creepy like Annabelle doll, it'd make it so much scarier. But because it's Papa Smurf, it's funny. Those parents had to have been like very, 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 very confused. Oh, yeah. I mean, you cut it up, it shows up again. (sighs) I don't know that I would feel all that confident with burning it, knowing that it's going to go away, you know? Yeah. And and a lot of, you know, experts in the the field of, you know, paranormal uh, and things of this nature would say, uh, burning it is really what you shouldn't do either. Well, sure. Because that could release the whatever it is, into something else, and the Pompous Smurf is just really a vehicle for some sort of entity. be interesting to hear if any other uh, paranormal things happened with that family or if any other entities made themselves known, uh, you know, later. 
throughout the years. What would you have done with the Papa Smurf doll? Um, I probably would have done the same sort. Of, I don't know that I've cut it up. I probably would have just you know tried to dispose of it, throw it away, put it in the garbage, and help, hopefully it get taken away. But if it just keeps showing up, I guess burning it. I knowing what I know now, I probably wouldn't burn it because I'd be afraid I'd be releasing something else. Uh huh. Um, maybe bury it. That would be, you know, and if it keeps showing up, I don't know what I would do. But sometimes when you have objects like that that are cursed or have something in them that you don't necessarily want to release, but you want it to stop going away, burying it seems to be a fairly decent op- option. Okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, of course, you could go to the, the realm of getting it exercised or something of that nature, but uh, it might be kind of an odd call to the church. That would be funny. I would love to hear that and be the fly on the wall. I guess uh, we have a Papa Smurf doll here. Um, we'd like to have an exorcism done. Is that uh, is that a little possible? Could that be done? I wonder how many times you'd have to call back because they think it's a prank call. I don't know. You know? <laughs> what, what, what would you do? I would want to bury it, I think, in some place that we're not going to accidentally dig it up. Yeah. Or the dog dig it up or something like that. Kind of like where we buried the gerbil. Yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> Where it will never be found again. Oh, it's, uh, it's a creepy story. Uh, 855-853-4802. I wonder if anyone else has any uh, haunted toy stories from their childhood. I don't know. That'd be good for Christmas shows. Talking about, you know, Christmas gifts that turned out to be fairly dark. Misfit toys. Misfit toys, yes. If anyone has any good Christmas toy stories of things that had to eventually be rid of because they were uh, going a little bit more, uh, being a little more playful than they should have been. Let us know. Give us a call on that at 855-853-4802 or write into us. And we could uh, share some of those stories over the uh, the coming weeks as we get into the uh, the rest of the holidays here. Of course, if you like the show, uh, please become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. Get a bonus episode sent on Saturday to you. If you sign up right now, if you're already an EPP, look forward to that. It will be coming out on Saturday. Uh, a total of 15 bonus episodes on those uh, emails as of right now. You can sign up on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.